All right, KISS Army, welcome to the KISS FAQ Podcast. Thank you for giving us your time today and letting us into your head. I hope we don't do any damage. This is a KISS-related podcast by the board for the board. We hope that you enjoy. Welcome to episode 270. Can't hear you now. What do you mean you can't You're hear muted. Me? I'm not muted. No, now you're good. Whoa. I didn't press anything. All right, so welcome to episode 272 of the Kiss FAQ podcast. I'm your host, Julian Gills. Today I'm joined by Bag Boy, Alex. Hey there. 69th Blizzard, Ken. And Marcus Almighty, Mark. Greetings. Uh, anyone bought any new stuff? Oh, I have. Uh, actually, I didn't buy it. It was, uh, you know, I meant to mention this a couple of weeks ago, but it arrived finally. And a big shout out to uh, Phil. Kiss Aussie nice. Collectors, that's a copy of the Australian uh, Mixdown. It's got an article on the tour, and he also sent me, which is really nice because I'm going to have to get it framed and everything, an uh, nice. Australian wow. end-of-the-road tour poster. So thank you, Phil, and Scott, who uh, posted it to me in this, on the state side of things. Very much appreciate it. Anyone else uh, bought I got Legos? Some stuff. Yeah, Mark, what did I you got get? some stuff, but I didn't buy any Kiss stuff. So oh. I, <laughs> who cares? Show us what. Oh, brilliant! Clutching, clutching at straws. Fantastic. And I got this. I totally found. I couldn't believe it. A Korean cassette pressing of Yes Talk. And sweet Peter Gabriel. Gabriel. All right, cool stuff. All on cassette. Yeah, well, we don't we don't have to be Kiss all the time, do we? Because uh, obviously, I'm going into day five of my Bruce Springsteen immersion therapy. Yes, I noticed. Um, and tomorrow, I'll be talking about the river. Ken, Ooh, that, that was badass. You know, bad I mean, company. bad company. What a fantastic! Which albums are in there? Everything. The the first six. First six. Of, uh, if you look at this, off of Swan Song Records, there's like the right. Swan Song collection. Excellent. Yeah. You know, yeah. what what a great yeah, band they were. Yeah, yeah. Great. A lot of great music. All right, Alex, it's up to you. Okay. Well, I, I kind of gone digital and stuff with my stuff, so I'll show it on my phone. But I did a whole ah. white, white snake purchase of some white snake albums. Oh wow. so you did so you did get yeah. those. <laughs> I dived into it. Well, you know, I'd i had Forevermore and the Purple album and I had a best of and Slide you know it and um, I think it was that uh, Ralph guy, I'm trying to avoid his name, uh, you know, the Dr. F guy. And I think he, yeah, I kind of like, like he, he collects discographies. And that's kind of like me. Like if I'm into a band, I'm like, man, I want all their stuff. Now I got to go get all the albums because I, I don't want to like miss out. You know, I don't want to like listen to the best of and go like, this song's awesome. I wonder what the other nine songs off that album sound like. So. Yeah. That, that, that makes me, that makes me pleased because in the middle of the day yesterday, I had a, uh, Mr. Bagboy there messaged me and saying, hey, uh, do you recommend any White Snake for me? So I told him a couple of those old records there, and I'm very pleased that you got yeah. them. Yeah. I, I um really like Love Hunter, because I actually yeah. like the, the Purple album, which is like that Deep Purple uh, material yeah. that David Coverdale mm-hmm. was on. And I think the thing that kind of got me, too, is my Facebook kept popping up. <laughs> They've got a, a deluxe edition of the um, Slip of the Tongue album coming yeah. out. And... Yeah. Uh, Anyways, the video, the comment's funny because it shows David Coverdale. He goes through the whole 
best of, and somebody had commented like, "Oh, it's so nice that David Coverdale's grandmother is showing this off for everybody." Oh no, that's me. I, I love David that's... Coverdale. I love White Snake. I've yeah. got a couple of EPs up there: the Gambler, the the two songs that were produced by Eddie Kramer prior to Slip of uh, Slide of Death. Pardon me. Slide of Death. Uh, yeah. I ch- I checked out when he did mm-hmm. got Steve Vai. I was like, forget it. That's not. I like the bluesy, you know, mm-hmm. side of snake a lot and saints and sinners probably one of my favorite albums got the original versions of yeah. uh here i go again and, and crying uh, in the rain yes crying in the total rain. different beast and then make sure you check out both versions of slide it in the uk mix and then the us one which i think had adrian yeah. vandenberg doing more uh, kind of guitar uh solo stuff so they're very different in character but you know each are very much worthwhile and i mean i remember buying trouble I mean, geez, I got actually. I also have snake, <laughs> snake bite up there in white vinyl, seven inch. So nice. that, that's about as much as I have. But cool stuff. All right, let's get into Kiss. We've been going through the albums. It's September. It's hard not to talk just about Kiss albums because they put out so many. It was like one of those times a year you could basically expect to get a new release. So um, for the next you know couple of shows, probably we're going to be strictly talking about albums and revisiting them and kind of ranking all the songs. But today we're going to talk about Lick, Lick it, it up. up. And, uh, you know, Ken, as, as the elder, on here, and I only mean that in, in the sense that you were a fan going back to the 70s, whereas uh, some of us weren't around, some of us weren't fans. You were, so you got to see the band on the Creatures of the Night tour, three mm. shows, and then mm-hmm. you would have gotten to buy this album when it came out. So I want to start with you on your thoughts about this album and where it actually sat to someone who was a, you know, a Kiss Army car- uh, membership carrying fan. <laughs> as they transitioned, um, you know, and, and did what was essentially a pretty low-key rollout of getting out of makeup because no one cared about them at the time. What do you recall in, about 1983 in this album? Mm. Yeah, uh, yeah, it was low-key. Um, the first thing I remember is that they were going to be on the big appearing without their makeup. Um, and that may have been the first I heard about it, or unless I heard it in the magazine that the new album's coming out. Probably did see an ad for it, because I used to get Circus and all those magazines. So uh, I knew it was coming, but then they, I didn't know it was going to be, you know, without makeup. Um, so they were revealed there first, because they, yeah, it didn't advertise it. That's true. They wouldn't have advertised it without the makeup, before you know in magazines before them appearing on mtv so it had to be mtv first and i did see it uh on the evening um so i was you know all keyed up for that thing you know to see that happen um uh but i think about a week before the release of the album i had a another guy that worked at the record store he had a copy of the album already and he he taped me on cassette he gave, gave me a cassette of the the new kiss album and as he said here's the new kiss album I said, oh really it's like cool so i i plugged you know put it on put it in my car and i was you know jamming to it so i thought oh this is this is pretty good this is pretty darn heavy 
So that was cool. So yeah, it was low key. Um, I had seen creatures before. Um, I saw them on on the MTV, and then I think that following week, it could, probably was the first Tuesday after that, maybe two days later. Uh, I went actually another time. I went at lunch. I walked to the mall from where I was working and uh, went and picked up a cassette version, actually, of that before buying the the vinyl version of it. So, anyway, it was it was cool. Um, it was very cool period of time, and I was very happy that they were. I was okay with them removing the makeup. I was I was happy as long as the music was still good and you know hard rocking. Well, as someone who you know obviously went to the Creatures tour, had that album new and fresh. Um, what was your take on the music from those first? You know, it's not like Dynasty where you played the wrong side of the album first. If you bought it on cassette, <laughs> presumably you had no choice but to play the first song, the correct first song. So, I mean, coming off Creatures, yeah. what was your impression to the to that music? Well, the first uh, impre- yeah, the first real impression was it seemed you know heavy. I mean, but it was in a different heavy way than and, uh, uh, the Creatures. The other thing I noticed is 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 the sound wasn't the same as creatures. It was, it was, it was different. The, the instruments weren't as, you know, separate, you know, as on creatures. And the vocals were also more in the pushed back than less, less up front than were on creatures. I noticed that right away. I was like, I can't understand what Paul, Paul Stanley singing on this, you know, and you know, sometimes it's hard anyway, but, it, I could tell that it, it seemed that his vocals were pushed back a ways, like distant uh, vocal. I don't know what the proper term that w- would be. Uh, Mark would probably know, but <laughs> um, um, it, it just seemed, you know, a, a different mix, different type of mix than the creatures. Uh, though it was, it was still good. I mean, it was still, you know, not sludge. Or something like, you know, hot in the shade, or not hot in the shade, but uh, hotter in hell. Yeah, affected by the sonics of that first Night Ranger album, probably, and becoming a little bit more commercially uh, produced and a little bit more accessible, less bombastic, and uh, you know, more measured. Not that it really helped them. Alex, you know, as as a young a youngster, what do you recall about your first interactions with this album? Well, I think I've shared with everybody. You know, my dad had the vinyl records. Um, he had up to Animalize. He had Asylum on CD because that was the first CD he got. He was in Japan with the Navy. Um, but I remember like pulling out the album covers all the time. You know, and that one. Uh, it was. I know some vinyl collectors may be like, "Oh no!" But so all my dad's like, his records weren't in sleeves except for the Lick It Up one. He kept the shrink wrap on so it would stay white and everything. And so <laughs> I was just mostly always him kind of saying, "Don't don't dirty up this album cover and stuff." And that was kind of my. My first recollection was more just looking at it. Um, but then, of course, getting into the music and stuff, um, I really enjoyed it. I you know, always thought the cover was cool. You know, I, even as a young kid, it was like, you know, my dad was like, yeah, that's the only cover that Benny Vincent was on. You know, and he didn't put him on the Creatures one and, and stuff. And so that was always kind of a, a unique thing. But, yeah, so I just... Uh, Don't know. He's, he's, he's not on my cover. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Sorry, Vinny. Yes. <laughs> I'm just playing. I'm not, I'm not going to turn into an M&M kill shot video for Vinny Vincent on this episode. Mark, how about you? Your first interactions with Lick It Up. Uh, well, it's interesting, actually, because um, in the in the days when I was back in the apartment building when I was much younger, I remember there was great, great uh, controversy in the building about, ooh, Kiss are taking their makeup off amongst my sister and their friends, you know. That, that, that it was happening. Uh, the girls in the apartment building were kind of, you know, interested in to see who, how did they, what did they look like without their makeup. And the guys, funny enough, more had the impression that like, they're like, oh no, they were almost like forecasting doom with the makeup coming off. They're like, it's over, man. You know, if they're, if they're going to do that, they're just, you know, they're going to be like everybody else, you know? And so they, they kind of had that, you know, uh, vibe amongst the people that I was with. But the funny thing is, when I went into high school uh, later, a lot of the times, uh, people people in that time when I was going in high school actually thought of Lick It Up as the big comeback for Kiss. A lot of the guys that I hung out there actually point to Lick It Up as the return of Kiss to a lot of them then. They were saying, you know, once that album came out, people were, weren't afraid to wear their jean jackets again, and they weren't afraid you know, to wear a T-shirt that had Kiss on it. Because they were saying before that, you know, nobody wanted to wear it when they had, you know, unmasked and stuff like that. So, uh, obviously, you know, I think that this album did a lot for them as far as getting them back into the public eye. And as far as, you know, getting some credibility back with some of the people that they've lost it with. So, uh, I think it's a I think it's a good album for that, especially. But I'll, I'll agree with Paul Stanley. I still think Creatures is a better record, but this is there's nothing wrong with this album. Yeah, I mean, obviously, as someone who came on board in 1985, everything I really say about the band is absolutely revisionist because I wasn't there in the first place. I had a friend, Dave, and Dave, I think I returned your cassette eventually, um, but he had the cassette. 1983, I didn't know what was going on. I was listening to Men at Work, Duran Duran, Quiet Ride, and Pyromania, and of course, the Beatles and John Lennon. Um, so musically, it was, I didn't even know they unmasked. I didn't even know, essentially, that they existed at that point. So fast forward to 85, and I start going back through the catalog. Dave told me that he had this album. So I, I didn't bother buying that one. I waited until I could borrow it from him, and then I was very reticent to return it to him because, you know, it, it was a fantastic album. But because I didn't come in sequentially and wasn't coming on from Creatures to lick it up, I, I just don't have the context of what it would have felt like, um, like Ken did, you know, having suffered through the Elder and Unmasked and Dynasty uh, from, you know, basically the high point of their career. Um, so I can never have that understanding of this album. I recognize that. But listening to any piece of music i was always blown away by how consistent the album was it was absolutely stunning from start to finish those opening notes um and then you go back and you think well you know they come off creatures they do this and this gets much more visibility um probably because it's it's building it was a process of rebuilding for them in the 1980s but i'll leave it at that you know it it really was you know, just I remember listening to it for the first time, those first notes of Exciter. And I was like, you know, after mm-hmm. you know, obviously listening to Asylum that starts off with uh, King of the Mountain, a very similar dynamic start. I'm like, wow, you know, Kiss is awesome. You know, I'd had Animal Eyes by then as well, which also starts off very dynamically with uh, I've Had Enough. So 
you know, for me as a fan coming in, these are the right sorts of albums to ex- be experiencing because uh, what what else can you say about that? Let's talk about the cover quickly before we get into the song mm-hmm. rankings. And this is a, an original um, CD, obviously. Mm-hmm. I, I love the quality of it. It's the right tones. It's the right colors. I hate the remaster with a passion. I hate everything about the design of that package. Um, the artwork is garbage compared to the original version. I mean, obviously mine's a, a Euro one with the back credits, which I can't even remember what the American one looked like. But um, Ken, for you in particular, coming off Creatures, were you disappointed that you basically just got this, a posed picture? And, you know, what are your thoughts? Yeah. Well, uh, you know, uh, I thought it, I thought it kind of made sense. I mean, just keep it simple. Um, and, and the one thing I thought was interesting is how they lit, uh, you know, had Gene Simmons sticking out of his tongue, uh, still showing that, that tie to the Mm. past and to also, let the people know that oh, oh he was the one that you know stuck out his tongue yeah that's that's that you know de- was the demon guy because they wouldn't know if you just looked I think uh, you wouldn't be able to tell who was uh, well Ace if they thought it was Ace or or Eric Carr or Peter Chris for that matter you know if they still thought Peter Chris was in the band but uh, and you can pretty much tell Paul anyway. Paul still looks basically the same, even even without makeup, um, that he did. But I think it was a smart decision to just keep it simple, and like I said, tie tie Gene Simmons back to you know that that era of of Kiss and let the people know that oh yeah, this is still Kiss, and but just without makeup. Yeah, Paul Stanley just standing there, looking casual, looking dead sexy. Uh, Alex. <laughs> You know what? Are you, what are your thoughts on the on the cover? I think it's I think it's a cool cover. I as a kid I didn't know that Vinny had a wig on. <laughs> you know, I just thought he looked you know different than from what was in the video. Um, you know, and obviously if you see any creatures there or look it up tour stuff, you know, obviously he wasn't wearing the tease that wig, and so his hair was a bit more flatter. Um, but I, I thought it was a good contrast um, compared to the first album cover having a black background to do the opposite for the first album mm-hmm. cover of the non-makeup. Um, so it was a kind of a great open shot. Um, I remember Kissery, I think uh, the book Kissery had some, some outtakes from that session. And, you know, I'd love to see some more outtakes as they had ready to see what else they, uh, they could have used and stuff. Cause I thought a couple of the other like uh, shots that they showed in Kissery, I'm like, Oh man, like that would have been a cool cover with like the four of them kind of sitting around each other and stuff. So I'd like to see what they've, uh, what were the, uh, the, the ones they didn't use? But I think they did a good job with the cover and just kind of basic. Uh, you know, like I said, the white was very grabbing to attention. You walk into a shop and I can imagine you're like, oh, hey, there's a white album cover. What is that? Yeah, well, like the makeup, it's a lot of black and a lot of white, technically. So it's a, a pretty good allusion to what they had looked like. I mean, again, I, I think it's their last great album cover. 
because obviously Animalizer's garbage, Asylum is very divisive, Crazy mm-hmm. Nights is stylistically nice, but some of the photos kind of leave a little bit desired. Smashes mm-hmm. is trash, uh, Hits isn't that great, Revenge is pretty blah. Alive three is terrible, but you know, let's leave it. Yeah, let's yeah. Let's, let's kind of leave that all there. Uh, Mark, your thought on the art? Um, yeah, I mean, it's not, it's not, uh, not bad. I'm in a retrospect when you think about it. I'm sure it's not anything like the earlier records, right? But you know, I guess if you're a new fan and if this is your first introduction to Kiss, it, it probably wouldn't be that bad. You know, you probably think, oh, it's pretty cool. And, you know, it has attitude and stuff like that. And Paul's flashing the Rolex watch on the front there and stuff like that. And you know, it 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 it's it has all the right amount of attitude that they need to kind of you know give it that we're still cool vibe to it. We're still but, rich with the Rolex. Yeah, exa- exactly, right. <laughs> so. Uh, but I guess you know for for the for the long term fans like the diehard guys, I know that they there was always that kind of little rumblings amongst some of them saying, "This is what kind of cover is this?" Like you know they were so used to like the you know the over the top kind of covers like you know like the rock and roll overs and the love gun covers and stuff like that. And this was just like again that one guy I always remember him in my apartment building. He's always like, "They're gonna be just another band now. They're just gonna be just another band because they look just like another band." You know, and I was, you know, it, it it got annoying after a while hearing him saying that all the time. But I understand what he meant by that. But you know, it's I don't think there's anything necessarily wrong with it. I mean, I I think it's a, a band shot. They did it good, and it and it did what they were wanted it to do to give them that uh, appeal and that kind of appearance that they were still you know they meant business and that they were very rich still. So there you go. Yeah, it was a contrast. I mean, if you put the album next to say "Shout at the Devil." Yeah. 1984, <laughs> uh, Tooth and Nail stands out. You know, Creatures of the Night yeah. definitely stands out. So uh, let's get into the rankings. And as always, we use the Lipstick Generation methodology. We assign a point to each song, add them up, and then uh, that's our ranking for this panel. So go over to the Lipstick you know, Generation's YouTube channel. Check out their new video, The Eyes of Love. They've been doing the, the rounds on podcasts to talk about it. So let's get straight into the rankings, and I'm surprised this one scored so lowly. In 10th place on nine points, which is really pretty freaking low. Give me more. And uh, (laughs) Alex and Ken have this as their least favorite. (laughs) Alex and Ken are on the same page in a lot of ways today. Um, Alex, let's let's start with you on your your thoughts on Give Me More and why it's your least favorite on the album. I just, uh, I don't know, I just, I I struggled with it. Um, I will say there's that cool, was it the King Biscuit Flower Mm -hmm. Power Hour, that live show from like Nashville? And that one was actually a pretty cool version and stuff to like, if I'm jamming to that constantly car, um, I'll, I'll enjoy it. But I just, you know, I just, I think out of all the songs, that one just kind of came on the bottom for me. Um, not much to say. I, I think, you know, Paul, the the, uh, the fast pace is a little maybe much for me. I don't know. Fair enough. It's not, you know, in any way, something's got to be in last place. Anyway, Ken, uh, your thoughts on Give Me More? Yeah, Give Me More. Actually, Give Me Less. Uh, <laughs> um, I mean, I don't hate I don't hate the song because uh, I really you know I like the whole album really. Um, it's just that I think Paul's better suited writing 
your standard straight ahead rockers and not trying to uh, do a, a you know frantic type song or, or you know uh, upbeat you know uh, faster tempo type you know riffing song. Uh, I just think that's not his his best. Um, so I never cared for his other ones that are in the similar vein that he's done around this period of time with, you know, even the, what on animal eyes and, and, uh, they do one on asylum too, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm alive. Yeah. yeah so I, I just, those are the ones I, I like the least of his songs. I just don't like when he does those. I don't know what it is, but it's just, it doesn't work for me. Well, the, the voice of reasons telling the star child to get back in his lane. All right. Uh, <laughs> Mark, this is your second from bottom song on the album, so I guess we, we know who's left that uh, actually gave it some points. Uh, why why well, doesn't it work uh, for you? As far as I'm concerned, again, Ken kind of touched on this. At this time period, Paul Stanley... You know, he writes a lot of great songs. Let's put it this way. The amount of good that he has outweighs the garbage. And I'm not saying this is garbage, but this song is definitely the weakest song on the record, as far as I'm concerned, from him. And I think that when he gets into this gear where he has to write one, he writes one on every song, like from as far back as, I think, Creatures, he starts doing it, I think. And, you know, he does one here. He does one on Animalize. He does one on Asylum. Like, I'm Alive is his version of that song. Every album has one of these songs on it. And I'm guessing that he's doing it just to, you know, keep with the 80s trend of having an upbeat double kick song on the record, just like every other uh, album around this time had this kind of stuff. You know, I can already hear that guy again. They sound like every other band. So they had to keep into that lane of doing that for for every record. So, again, I don't think it's a, a terrible song, but it is his worst song on this record. Mm, I disagree with you all, and I'm, <laughs> I'm the reason why it managed to scrape to nine points. I loved it back then when I first heard it. There's a great bass line in it. So uh, after the show, go back and listen to the bass line. I love Vinny's lead work on it. Um, I think it's a great... But then again, I love Motley Crue's Red Hot as well. So um, it, it just speeds along, but it's the right sort of speed. It doesn't go over the top. Vinny's solo, I loved on day one, and that's why it ranks so highly. Lyrically, is it great? Is that uh, like my candy cane, one of the lines? It's got some warrior in it, so... <laughs> That's, Christmas theme. That's, that's that's fine, you know, a bit of bit of sweet, bit of power. But I always liked it. So uh, so there. there we go. <laughs> and moving on into ninth place with eleven points. This one does surprise me. Young and wasted. Oh, wow. Uh, well, Alex and Ken again. Let's. Uh, Alex, back to you. Um, I just. I think after seeing the Animalize live uncensored, I, I had the DVD and it wasn't there around for the the great MTV broadcast that some of you guys may have enjoyed. I think Eric Carr owned this song. And I really, oh man, I know Kiss, I, mean, I know they did the little Japanese, uh, the best stuff, but I, if they would have done a re-record of a song for like Animalize or Asylum, I would have loved to have had that Young Wasted done with Eric Carr on vocals. I think I think he like I said he owned that song once he sang it live and I think that's the only reason why is the Gene Simmons version ranks low for me, but if they you know if 
they even had the live version with Eric Carr, they didn't want to rank higher. Way to put a positive spin on a negative vote. You know, awesome. Uh, Ken, you as well. Second from bottom. Yeah, I think Alex uh, stole my homework or something. (laughs) Anyway, um, so, yeah, yeah, I said I I agree with Alex, though, that, um, yeah, I think it would have been better if they would have let um, Eric Carr sing that on on the studio album, just like he did, you know, live. So it was a surprise when he sang it live uh, when I first saw them in concert. Um, I think, oh, I didn't mention uh, when we were first talking about it, is uh, they originally had the concert at, it was going to be at the San Francisco Civic Auditorium, yep. but it was downgraded to the Berkeley, Berkeley Community Theater, so uh, which is a lot smaller. Um, but anyway, aside from that, um, this song, I you know, again, it's a, it's a good song. Um, it's just another one of those, a little bit of frantic songs that I don't think is, well, I, I say excels in fully. Um, it's just not there to me. It's not their, uh, you know, cup of tea or whatever. Um, they can do it, but I don't think it's, it fits their normal style that they should be, you know, uh, doing as far as music. But anyway, it's a, it's a good song. I don't have a problem with it. Um, again, I think it, I would have liked it better or moved it up if Eric Carr was singing it. So. Yeah, I, th- I didn't even consider that. So I, I have it third from bottom. Alex, well done for making that suggestion as I'm going to steal your homework and go with what <laughs> Alex said earlier. Um, and I also think there's two songs that are much worse than that. So, Mark, you ranked this the highest. Why? Um, this is one of the examples, I think, of when Gene does an upbeat song, his seemed to be a little bit more groovier. And I think that this, when you compare this to Give Me More, I think this has a bit better groove to it than Give Me More as far as I'm concerned. I can, you know, if you can say I'm wrong. But I think that this has a nice groove to it. Uh, I like the way it moves along. And, you know, I agree with you guys too, because, I mean, I w- was watching actually Animal Eyes Uncensored not long ago, and I remember that he did sing this and. As far as I'm concerned, if he would have sung it, I think it would have been even higher up on my chart because I agree. I think Eric Carr really, you know, adds a little bit extra fire to it. But I think Gene has a really interesting tone of voice. Like his kind of higher pitched voice during this time was really like piercing. Like it was really like it meant business. Like I I can't remember when he had that kind of a toned voice, maybe on his solo record. Maybe he did it once or twice here and there, but uh, it's just unbelievable how his tone of voice was during this time. And I I think it's a, it's a pretty good song. I, I don't, I don't dislike it as much as I did dislike some of his other songs during this time period. Nice. All right, so let's move on into eighth place on 12 points. So these three bottom songs are pretty much very much at the bottom for a reason, as uh, we consistently didn't like them. Dance all over your face. Mark, straight back to you. This is your least favorite album uh, song on the album today. Oh, God. The, the, why they didn't flush this one down the toilet, I don't understand, because it, it's just so... Like again, I think that they were sitting in the around the the, the control room in, in the by the mixing board and saying, "Okay, we got nine great songs. We need one more. Anybody got something?" And Gene, oh, I, oh, let me just look through my book here. Yeah, I got something. Let's try this. And it just totally sounds like that. And I, 
think it's just total waste. Just I think they should have just tossed it. It was a terrible song. Well, okay. Uh, <laughs> Alex, dance all over your face. You're, You're muted. muted. You're still muted. I, I, oh, ranked it up a little, I ranked it up a little bit higher. I um I actually enjoy it. I think it's got a grievy little bit uh little groove to it and stuff. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know. It's just a fun one. So one of my favorite things to do is when I'm coming home from class, I like to just crank the radio up on whatever I've got jamming to, and I mean, there's a big hill that I drive down. That's just fun to crank. And that one's like a fun one to just kind of like sing out loud to in the car and the wife's not there and the baby's not there so I can, you know, have the radio up to 40. I just think it's got a cool, groovy uh, line to it. Yeah, this is my second from bottom pick on this album. And you know what? On this album, that makes it actually a pretty good song when you compare it to Gene's throwaways on, say, Animal Eyes. Or actually, any of Gene's contributions on Animal Eyes um, and some of his throwaways. Um throughout the rest of the 80s are pretty dire this is better than those but it's still not saying a lot when you're stacking it up against the other nine songs on the album so for that reason it's down in ninth place for me um ken yeah i mean this one was seven on my list uh went to eight um for the vote i'm like alex i i like it I like the song. You know, I think it was Gene's attempt at writing an ACDC type of song that you hear that little riffing that he, he has in it at the beginning. Uh, I, I hear that kind of thing. It's like, oh, I well, I can do that. Listen to ACDC. It's like, oh, I'll try to do something similar or whatever. But, uh, I mean, again, I, I like this whole album. You know, actually, I like it. You know, I, I think it's the best non-makeup solo, you know, not solo, but non-makeup album by them. Uh, in my opinion, I think it's the number one non-makeup album. So, but so that song, um, like Alex said, it has a groove. It does have a little bit of a groove to it, and it's different for Gene. Um, and I've, I've always liked it. I mean, I have. it's not my favorite song, but I like it. Yeah, I think it's interesting that it's one of the only two songs on the album that Vinny didn't get a co-writing credit on. Um, and I think it could have used a co-writing credit, and that probably would have helped. Um, I, I think it would have helped refine it and maybe, you know, just kick it up a notch. It might have ended sure. up in eighth place instead of ninth. On you know, All right, moving on in seventh place and on the eighth day, the final song of the album. I have this ranked the lowest. And really, it's simply because after the rest of the album, it's just not a great way to finish the album. And it, it's just never done that much for me. It's like a hybrid of the warrior stuff thrown together with some gene ideas. And as a result, it just feels like, you know, something in a tumble dryer vomiting itself out onto the floor when it's done. So um, pretty, pretty nondescript as far as a song goes. Um, let's see who has this. Well, Ken, let's go back to you on that. <laughs> I have it highest, probably. Uh, you do like number number six. Oh, actually, no, you don't. Oh, I don't. Okay. Well, I like it. I like the the song. It's better than it is better than um, Dance All Over Your Face. Uh, I like the theme of it. It's kind of like a sister song 
almost a precursor to, you know, God gave rock and roll to you. It's that same kind of theme. <laughs> I almost wonder if he was thinking of that song from the 70s, the uh, um, Argent song, and thinking, oh, it gave him an idea to do some kind of, you know, God gave rock, you know, rock and roll to you, similar type song. Um, but I, I like it. I think it's a good song, and I like the theme of it, and it's pretty good. I don't skip it. Yeah, well, you, you know that Gene really wanted to say on the eighth day, God gave Eugene Simmons. But uh, Well, yes, <laughs> of course. I was going to go to Alex next, but uh, he's done a runner. Mark? Well, I had this actually on at eighth place. Uh, I don't think it's the worst uh, Gene song on this album. I think it's actually not too bad. Um, it's, it's better than uh, some of his other album closers that he's done you know, during that time period. I mean, I, I think back to Animalize and those songs that he had at the end of the sides were, you know, pretty bleak there. But uh, I, I think the one thing that saves this song for me, to be honest, is the chorus. I think that it's pretty catchy, uh, you know, as far as the melody goes vocally on there. And I think that, uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think Vinny did get involved with this song, wasn't it? Uh, I think this was one yeah. that he did have a co-write in, and I think that it He's kind of so shows because the melody is a bit stronger from the chorus end of things. And I think he might have something to do with that. I think that he comes up with good uh, chorus melodies, especially during this album period, for sure. So uh, I, I don't think it's a bad song. Uh, again, I think the strong chorus is what really saved it for me. Yeah, I think Vinny's co-writing credit is actually because he actually wrote the song and gene co-wrote it as it was ah, a, okay. it was a warrior demo pretty much before there you go. it came into the kiss there you go. Oh. magnetic field um alex you like this the most out of us why um i just uh, I, I enjoyed the message i'm a more religious type person to say the least but so i you know it just gets kind of fun you know, it's the whole on the eighth day you know god created rock and roll um, and so I was, it's just got like a catchy riff. Um, I know some of you guys like I, I won't look at it as a as a closer for the album, but I kind of like it as a closer. I think uh, it just kind of finishes out, you know, like you know on, about rock and roll and stuff, and you know, and, and thinking like with Kiss, you know, some of those people that may have you know stopped kind of being a fan during that whole Dynasty unmasked elder period, you know, and for some people, um. They may not. They may not have picked up the Creatures of the Night album. I mean, as we know, was it two years later they reissued it with a non-makeup cover? So this is that first non-makeup album that I think some people bought, and they kind of finished out with this, like you know, song kind of anthemic about rock and roll to finish it out. You know, I think for some people might have been like, okay, cool, Kiss is back, no more Magic Touch or Torpedoes or under being under the rose you know yes. like kisses about rock and roll again this is my band yeah yep. you know what you know what alex that uh, the song uh it was it acdc and again another acdc thing um it was it um the end of uh back in black right had uh rock and roll, rock and roll noise, pollution. noise pollution yeah that's another kind of rock and roll themed, you know, oh, rock and roll is great. You know, this ain't no, noise pollution. It's a good, good thing or whatever he says, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> right. Um, and so it's kind of like that. And it's ending the ending the album Kisses song is ending the album, too. It's kind of the same fashion. So just trying to say this is a, you know, rock and roll is a, a great thing. Um, Don't again, be ashamed to love rock. rock. Yeah, Rock and Roll Night was a, you know, 
ending song, though, I mean, these songs are obviously are way different. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, kind of ending on a, a good rock and roll themed note. Or on the ACDC theme, it concludes Let There Be Rock quite nicely because Let There Be Drums, Let There Be Bass, and then on the eighth day. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. There you go. Alex, I'm going to go straight back to you for number six, which on 16 points fits like a glove. I just, uh, not crazy for the studio version. I love the live version. In fact, I, uh, if there was to be a song that I wish, you know, I know Kiss has been very selective of the 80s stuff since the makeup got put back on. Um, but man, if there would have been a song from the 80s period that I wish Kiss would have brought back into the set, it would have been this one. Mm-hmm. Um, it just was such a staple for the 80s tour. And I've, uh, I've always, like I said, I love the live versions. Uh, the whole, uh, what is, it, it's called a, is that called a breakdown mark where he does the whole, you know, when I go through her. Yeah. yeah. I, just think, I just think that's just a fun, a fun little thing that he did with the audience and stuff. And so, um, like I said, studio wise, it wasn't my favorite. Um, but the live versions though are just killer. In fact, uh, I know we're not really talking about a live three, but I have no idea why this did not make a live three, at least <laughs> even if it had been True. done, like I was made for loving you. Not really live, but yep. Good point. Daniel will be pleased on, to hear that. Yeah, on on all of those, I agree. I mean, I have it ranked the same as you, Alex. But uh, I certainly agree that live it's better than it is on the studio. Album. It's actually fun live. So there you go, Ken. You you like this the least out of us? Well, you know, I used to like it a lot better when uh, back in the '80s. When it came out, um, I think I, I would have ranked it higher than those other two Gene songs that I said were uh, better. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess maybe I got tired of it. Uh, I heard it so many times, and I heard it so many times live back back in the day because they played it pretty much every every tour back then. Yeah. And, um, so I was kind of tired of lives back then. I was like, you know, okay, I, I like the song, but come on you have some other songs you can play now too so it's kind of like today you know where we're hearing songs that uh we we hear and hear and you kind of get sick of certain ones but um i you know again another it's a good song and this is one of those more frantic songs that uh, i do like that gene did can you stop saying frantic because every time you say that i hear lars's snare <laughs> Oh, God. Boing. Whatever that sound was. Mark, you like this the most of us. Yeah, I I think it's, again, another example of Gene showing his uh, sense of groove. I think that that opening riff is pretty good on guitar. It's simple to the point. And... I think overall it's it it works. I mean overall, you know, when it gets to the live part part of it, when they do it live on stage, it definitely goes to a whole another level. And it just you know the lyrics that Gene puts on this, it was just like meant for that live delivery, right? Because he you never see somebody bask in their own glory when he gets to that breakdown part, you know. He he just seems to be like you know I'm the man when it comes to this part, right? And uh, I always thought it was interesting though that he never says butter. He never well, says it right. ever. Like, you know, he never, he doesn't. Yeah, he never yeah. ever says it. It's like, okay, like, what do you want them to say? It, or you're just waiting for, to think of something else to say, or what? You know, uh, but the crowd, I think, oh, yeah. 
that was, overall, that, was part of Ken's, that was part of Ken's job when he went to the concert. That was Ken's participation moment. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah. Ken didn't but the problem money. was I had imp- imperial... Um, margarine, yeah. Margarine. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Goes I mean, through like margarine. Yeah, so doesn't it doesn't sound me. the same, right? So... But I, I think that uh, it, it's a pretty it's a pretty strong song, and I mean the proof of that is, like you said, they played this song on pretty much every tour up until like Hot in the Shade. I think they did it as well. Yeah, so sure. I mean, if, it was still a very popular song amongst the, the audience, I guess, and to, well, especially to Gene. So well, especially because yes. Gene was still in character writing and yeah. singing this song. This was '70s vocal Gene, still. You know, you can just see him in his makeup, you know, banging yeah. his chest doing this song without it, without mm-hmm. a problem. All right, so we're into the top half now, so pretty much uh, all songs are equal. There's a massive difference in points automatically as we shift into the top half of the album. So in fifth place, on 24 points, all hell's breaking loose. Um Ken, I'm going to start with you again as someone who was there when this stuff came out, and I, I don't know how familiar you were kind of with rap at that point and Paul's kind of rappy yeah. intro part. What, you know, what what do you like about this song, and what were your impressions of it when you first heard it back then? Yeah, I thought it was uh, quite a uh, a was it a, a risky thing for for them to do back then. Um, yeah, I was aware of rap, and I heard some the early rap, um, though I wasn't really a fa- you know fan of that t- style of music. But uh, when when Paul was doing the, his semi rapping, uh, I thought, oh, this is you know, different. But you know, it just made up for it. It, it worked. Um, it just worked, and the chorus and the the riff in it that I, I think is what Eric Carr riff I think came up with the riff um and he seems to come up with great riffs um uh it just had a good chorus of gang gang vocals you know um it's just a good song I, so I I liked it I always liked it uh that's why I ranked it I think I ranked it pretty high four on my list so um I wish though they would have done it live uh, when I saw them, um, I would have been, you know, pretty happy about that. But they didn't. Yeah, which songs did they do from the album when you saw them in Berkeley? Look it up. <laughs> look it up. Obviously, I'd have to go back and look at the set list. Uh, but yeah, obviously, look it up. I think. Uh, oh gosh. Probably fits like a glove. Definitely fits like a glove. Probably and wasted. Uh, and young wasted. Probably those three. Yeah. I'm gonna guess it's only those three. But I'd have to more. go look. I'd have to look more. at your book, Julian. Yeah, I'm going to look at that while, uh, while Mark talks. So, Mark, you, Ken, and I all rank this the same. So uh, what are your thoughts on All Hell's Breaking Loose? Well, um, I, I like the song. I think the riff is pretty cool. Uh, hats off to Eric Carr for coming up with it. Uh, I think that the the verse vocal rapping didn't bug me nearly as much as years later when Getty Lee did it on Roll the Bones that completely scarred me for life. I, I almost put my head in a toilet and flushed it when I heard that. With great shame when I heard that. But uh, this this is not nearly as stunning in my opinion. I, I think it's just, you know, he kind of gave it that sort of rap feel to it, but it's just not nearly as much as it could have been. He could have really overdid it and made it sound 
much yeah, more rap than than he did. Uh, the video, I think, is one of the reasons why I love this song so much. I think the video just totally added to the coolness of this. That whole cheesy karate fighting thing at the beginning, and Gene, you know, always with that piece of meat, always putting it in the fire and cooking it again. You know, that's that was always funny and. You know, when they did their little mock fighting and then, you know, Gene putting his hand on his head and when they saw Paul trying his sword work and stuff, it's it's like almost like they had a sense of humor in their video, you know, and I think that's what added to it. That made me kind of really like this one a lot more than Lick It Up the video. So uh, but I I think that it's a it's a good song. And I have to admit, I am very saddened that all the times I've gotten the sea kiss, I never got to hear them do this live, it would have been a great song to play live. Yeah, I didn't know anything about rap back then, so I didn't see anything wrong with the intro other than it being kind of a stylistic thing in the video. You know, and then when it was on the album, it was like, so what, I'm already familiar with it. So I didn't, you know, have any second thoughts about it. I always loved the vibe of the song. It had a, a great kind of different dynamic to it than the rest of the album. So it stood out as something different. Yeah. Um, the video I loved. And I'm not even going to call it cheesy. Because when you think back to the stuff that we were watching off Twist's sister, you oh, know, yeah. the father, what do you want to do with your life? You know, <laughs> it, it was all kind of wrapped up in that air or rats round and round video it was all cheesy it was all, it was all horrible motley cruz like come on looks at kill um too young to fall in love was almost the same thing with that whole fighting thing yeah with the post-apocalyptic chic yeah. look you know there, there was you know at least they weren't having a barbecue and kicking over hobos you know yes <laughs> of course we're you know we're kicking over you know, it was very San Francisco. Um, <laughs> there we go. And, you know, going back to what we were just saying, Ken, um, at Berkeley, Gimme More yeah. was your fourth song from the album on there. And, of course, you, okay. you got Riot and Vandenberg opening. Alex. Oh, yeah. I know I ranked this one the lowest, and I think it was just the rap part kind of kills it for me. Um, but the riffs, the riffs are great, though. Like, the chorus part and everything, I kind of like um, gang type of vocals. I guess if you want to call it that and stuff. Uh, excellent. I do love the live version. Again, um, I mentioned before that there's that Nashville 84 show that's, that was like broadcast on the FM. Great live version. I know on one of the Kiss cruises they kind of teased it. I know it's, uh, I know it's actually a song that Tommy Taylor likes and he's been, he's been trying to get it into the set. So maybe this Kiss cruise, Kiss, uh, worth those some real gems back into the set. <laughs> maybe, maybe they'll finally get this one right. Cause I, like I said, I know I've heard Tommy say a few in interviews that it's a song he'd like to do. And stuff, and I think it'd be. It's a, it is a fun song live, though. Yeah, I think at this point we're just gonna have to thank Tommy for the songs that he and Eric did manage to get them to play, say 2004 <laughs> to 2000, and uh, <clears throat> when would that have been? Until the cruises started, I, I give up on ever hoping for anything. But you know, in terms of it mixing genres, you know, "Read My Body" was awkward. This was good. So mm-hmm. uh, it surprised me that in fourth place, Lick It Up on 27 points, you know, here mm-hmm. we are, the two singles basically in the U.S. Um, for the album are, are right there together. And this is almost in the middle of the album. So I have Lick It Up in fifth place. And again, it's a song I love to hate or hate to love. I can't decide which direction I'm coming from. It kills me that it's been done to death live. It kills me that it's mm-hmm. been drawn out live. When it's actually, I was listening to the album again today, um, 
it's actually a really good song that's been ruined by how it's dragged out live for me mm-hmm. and my taste. Um, if they would just prune it back and throw in another song in place of that extended uh, section, I would probably rank it much higher. I'm sure at the time it, it was also very safe. Uh, it doesn't strike me as anything dynamically different, nothing challenging, nothing that really shouts, look at me, look at me, I've taken off the makeup. Come on, look at me, damn it. I'm talking to you up here. You know, My eyes are up here. Yeah. It, it just doesn't grab attention off the album. For someone, for a band that was taking off the makeup, so uh, really weird. Ken, I'm going to go straight to you as you have it ranked the same as me. Yeah, it's again, it's another one of those where I, I, mean, I think I rank it down there because I'm kind of tired of it. Uh, uh, yes, we see we hear it every time in concert and heard it a million times, and yes, they drag it out. Um, I think Kiss should it out. I, I'd rather them since they neglect the 80s a lot, is do a medley of maybe Lick It Up, Heaven's on Fire, and Tears Are Falling. That uh, kind of a three, three-parter three there. Uh, they're similar in their certain ways, um, those songs, right? Simple and to-the-point songs. And I think they could do a medley of the, those three songs rather than the drawn-out and insert the, you know, the Who riff or, you know, riffing going on in the middle of the song um it's just uh, you know a waste but uh yeah like like you said julian it's it's a great song it's just a top-notch song and that's why it was a single and uh, you know did pretty well yeah alex you have this in fourth place on your list yeah um same with you guys i mean kiss if you're watching this because you're bored stop the middle life part stop it (laughs) (laughs) cut it back because, uh, you know, the shorter live live version would be great, um, like you did on Animalize and stuff. On the Animalize tour, that was perfect segue and, and, and set up. Curious, uh, is that Vinny that's still into Oh Yeah with Paul? Has it ever been, like, defined? I always thought it was Gene, but there's something. I think it's Gene. It. I believe it's Gene. I always thought it was Gene. But, Stu- yeah, I, Studio trickery, all, all yeah. of them. <laughs> but but I, I it's it's not a terrible song. Studio is better. Just cut it back. Kiss, stop it, and cut it short. All right, Mark, you've got this the highest out of all of us. Yeah, the truth be told, I almost put it like higher because well, something occurred to me when I when I was listening to this the other day is that I really much more enjoy this song as the studio version. When I, when I listen to it, the live version is a thing that I think that I get really fed up with is again, that whole who thing and everything else that's happening there. I got so tired of that drawn out version of the song. I mean, I have a, a couple of, you know, bootleg shows from various tours and they always seem to do this. And it just gets so annoying hearing them do that, that I just figure, you know, when I listen to the studio version of this, it takes me back to when I bought the first time the the single, the seven inch of it and how much I enjoyed it when I first got it. And I think this song is definitely stronger in its original form on the studio. And I, I think that when it's played that way and it's listened to that way, the, the strength of it comes in much stronger. And I think that it shows how good a song it is and why it did so well for them. Yeah, you know, fair. You know, it, it did do well for them in Canada. You got a uh, you got a picture sleeve on your single, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, lucky sods. Well, yeah. actually, if I was living in England, I would have had a poster bag. So up yours. All right, let's move. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, radio promo 12 inch. Sure, just rub it in. Do you have the uh, one for all hells, which is an edit, I believe, for that? I, I do not. I do, I do have the that uh, you know, that picture disc single too of of uh, lick it up of the single. You know, the little shape like a tank. Oh, you know, yeah. Don't forget this. Yeah, the Japanese cover. I mean, that, that yeah. was really Japanese cool. where they tried to uh, say, "Hey, we still have makeup, but really, we don't." Yeah. Um. <laughs> elder photos. Yeah. All right, so let's move on, and we're into the top three now. And I'm I'm thrilled that this one came in as high as it did because this was, of course, uh, was it the B side to look it up in England? Not for the innocent. On 32 mm. points, so that's a substantial jump from 27 for Lick It Up. Um, again, I love it. I think this is one of Gene's best vocals as a song. Uh, but also, this song is the Creatures version. Uh, you can't get that mm. out of your head now that that circulates yeah. when Paul and Gene are trading off it mm-hmm. on it, and it's so badass when it was recorded, what was it, August 1982, so it came a little bit late, uh, and it wasn't fully arranged or finished. Um, they certainly completed it for this album, and Gene just on the vocals kills. Um, again, this one should have been done live. This yeah. definitely oh, should yeah. have been done live. Um, <clears throat> you know, when we look back and say that Young and Wasted should have been Eric Carr vocals on this album, this should have been on the tour. Just absolutely fantastic. I've got this third place. Um, Alex, you've got it in second. So you obviously like yeah. it. I, I love Not for the Innocent. Uh, you know, the only thing that would have probably bumped it up to even number one is if they had done the. Uh, I guess it was a Creatures Arrow version where it's got Paul and Gene. When that when that version came out, I think that was like, man, it just took this song to another level. And it's definitely one I really wish they, they would have done live. Um, even Gene, if you do your Gene Simmons solo band, please put it in the set. Yeah. It'd be a great one to hear live. Yeah, it's, it's not one where he has to scream either, surprisingly. Uh, Ken, uh, you also rank it very highly along with Alex. Yeah, I almost, I mean, I was going back and forth whether to put this as number one or or, or number two. I mean, it's, I, I truly, truly love this song. And I agree with you, Julian, about Gene's vocals are just, just, uh, just great. You know, rough demon, it is demon vocals as far as I'm concerned, um, even though, you know, no makeup, but. It's it is that demon type vocal that he should be always doing, um, and the song is just I just love how it builds builds at the beginning and it and it kicks in and I I just I don't know I just love the song again that could have been my number one. Yep, um, Mark, I think it's in your top half, so you obviously rank it highly. What are your thoughts on Not for the Innocent? Um, I, I like it. I, I think it's a good song. Uh, again, just like you guys, it's hard to get, uh, hard not to get the version that was done for Creatures out of your head. And I think that's why it's in my fifth position rather than, let's say, third, because I, I prefer the Creatures version more, to be honest. But it, it's a great song. And I remember when I got the single, the, the Lick It Up single, that was on the B side of the one that I got. And it was, I remember when I first put it on, at first I was a little, like, not concerned, but I put it on and it had that kind of, you know, that slow beginning, and I was like, hmm, 
And then when it kicks in after, you're like, oh, okay, here we go. Mm-hmm. And then it just really starts driving, and then you're like, wow, this is actually a pretty good song, you know? And it was one of those rare times that I found myself having a single that I constantly flipped all the time, played one side, played the other <laughs> side, played one side, played the other because I, I really enjoyed both sides, and that's really rare, I found, with some singles that I had. There was, you know, I, I got all kinds of singles from before. You get a police one, and there was some song on there that you would want, and the other side, it was an unreleased song you never heard of. it. like, what is this, you know? But this is one of those great examples that had two good songs, you know, on either side. So I, I think it's a good song. It's just, I think it just ranked at five because I like the Creatures one better. All right, we've got two songs left, so everyone watching or listening who's pensively wondering which one's going to be the top song, you're going to know in a second. All right, in second place, on 35 points, drum roll, a million to one. And this is my this is my favorite song off the album, and I facilitated and flip flopped and went back and forth between it and Exciter, going, oh, which one? I love them both. They're both awesome. They're both my favorite songs, but I've got to pick one. And I, I went with a million to one strictly because of Paul Stanley pulling it out on his solo tour and finally giving us a live version and one that he epically slayed. He just did a fantastic job. And thank you, Paul. To this day, it just made that tour that much more special, him performing it live. It's a great power ballad. It continues the kind of theme of nowhere to run. And I still love you. It, it, it's just he was in a different place, and when he was writing with Vinny, it was just next level, next level. So I love A Million to One, and the rest of you are not quite as gaga for it. So, Mark, let's go to you to, to take us down a notch and speak more realistically about it. Well, I had it on number two, so it's just not that far behind yours, but I, I have to agree. It's a great song, probably one of his best ballad-type like rocker ballads of this time period for sure. Um, one of the great crimes that have got that has gone unpunished to this day is what the hell the A and R people were thinking when they didn't release this as a single. They should be taken in the back and flogged like several times, get in, get a get some big baseball bat and smack them upside the head with it. Because if they would have released this, who knows? Maybe it wouldn't have been a top ten because you know how people viewed Kiss then, especially the radio DJs. But you know, I think it could have did something if the if it had the right push and the right cha-ching behind it uh, to to get it the play that it needed to get to that position. But I think that it's a great song. It could have been a like a impactful single, and it has everything about it is fantastic from the singing to the guitar playing to the drumming to everything on it is perfect. It's probably one of the most perfect songs on this album. So someone should have been pistol whipped with a love gun for not putting this out as a single. There you go. There, there you, you go. go. All right, Alex and Ken, you both have this in third spot. So Alex, let's go to you. Um, you know, really, the, these top three, uh, the last one, this one, and and the number one, uh, they kind of you know mix. It's like you, Julian. It was like difficult to pick. And now they agreed that 2006. That was that was I was so excited because that was like my first Kiss related show was the Paul Stanley Live to Win tour. And when he said, like, they were going to be doing, I mean, they think they just announced, like, there's going to be two songs never done live. And I was so excited to see what they were going to be. And I actually was happy. One of it was Magic Touch. But I was really happy for a million to one. Um, I remember the song. But, man, and I remember being up front at that Baltimore show. And, and you know, like you said, Paul, he just slayed it. And uh, it's almost like a shame that the song didn't get its due until 2006, to be honest. Um 
I know there's that guy, I think he's from Europe, uh, Satan, no, Satin. He's like an acoustic tribute. And he did a pretty killer acoustic version. I, I remember thinking, like, man, this would have been a great, like, unplug song, too, for Kiss. But uh, it's just a great song. Um, full of emotion. I loved, uh, yeah, even I loved when Benny, and I know Benny, you know, it's not really a big singer, but when he pulled it out for the little little bit that he did at the Atlanta Expo. And I'd love to hear, like, if there was a demo, I'd love to hear from Benny besides, uh, of course, the went back on the streets with Paul on vocals. It would be uh, the Benny Vincent, what he brought in when he brought in a million to one. I'm like, wow, great thought, Alex. I would love to hear Vinny sing this uh, in, in Vinny's style because he, he's got a great set of pipes, too. I think he could do it justice. But it's all a matter of who has more lyrics in there. Does Paul have the lyrics and, you know, Vinny kind of contributed or is it vice versa because uh, i wouldn't want Vinny to sing it if he doesn't own enough of it to you know kind of kind of do that ken you you've got this the same you know third place like uh, alex yeah well yeah it's a great song great power ballad type song i do agree with mark on the um you know they should have released this as the second single i mean i i do like all hell is breaking loose but i think this makes much more sense as a single and i think it would have uh it could have extended the life of you know the sales of uh lick it up and you know maybe give it more life and to where they could have released maybe then down the road a third single um, of all hell's breaking loose or whatever um i just think it's maybe people will say oh yeah they did lick it up yeah once on that's all they can do but then if they hear this, like, oh, oh wait, wait a minute, this this is darn pretty, darn, you know, it's good too, you know. Yeah. So maybe they would have uh, said, oh, maybe I'll check out that album and buy it, you know. Yeah, this album easily could have had five singles off it. When you think of All Hell's Breaking Loose, Lick It Up, Not For The Innocent, A Million To One, and... Dance All Over Your Face. <laughs> <laughs> and exciter um which incidentally is our the kiss faq panels number one pick off lick it up with 39 points i'm the one who kept it from having a perfect 40 um for this panel um yeah alex let's go to you number one pick um i love it i i it's just such a great song i and I've heard, you know, uh, bootleg live version of it. So I've ne- and I've never understood why Benny couldn't do the solo on the album. I think it was that Rick Derringer did the solo uh, yeah. on the studio version. Yeah. But um, just such a good song. Um, it's kind of fast-paced. I, I know we kind of talked a little bit earlier about Gibby Moore being a fast-paced song. I know I think Ken wasn't, or Mark wasn't too keen on, on the fast-pacedness. But like Gibby Moore, but I think Paul doing this one... Um, I mean, man, between this and, and the next album that came out, I've had enough for Animalize. Paul had two really great openers. And, and if you go back to Creatures of the Night, I, I really think these three albums had really great opening songs to start the album off on the right pace. Very good. Ken? Yeah, this is just a good song. I mean, I was flip-flopping. I thought this might be number two or number one, but I ended up making number one. I think it's, the you know, yeah, one of the best... Uh, lead-off songs on almost all Kiss albums. I mean, uh, even going back to, you know, I Stole Your Love, which was a great lead-off song. I think, you know, I Stole Your Love a little bit better as a lead-off song, but this song is the best of the 80s 
leadoff songs, in my opinion. I mean, this just totally kills. Uh, I've always loved the song. I love the solo. I know it's not Vinny doing the solo, but it's just, you know, hey, it's just a great solo. And, uh, and, and Paul's vocal on it. And he screams out, you know, exciter and extends the vocal. I mean, it's just, there's nothing wrong with it. It's just a great song, a great opening, uh, you know, album opener. And uh, you can't miss. Yeah, perfectly crafted and executed. Those are the only things I'm going to say about it. I I, I love it. I have no problem with it being number one. I'm glad it is number one because it's just absolutely incredible song. Mark? Yeah. I have to agree with everything said. I mean, I love the very beginning, that kind of chorusing kind of effect on the guitar when they start that. It's so cool. I I love that beginning. It's such a great uh, opening song. And again, I think you guys are right. A strong opening song is the key to a good record. This one is definitely one of the strong ones. And Paul had quite a few at this time period, strong opening songs. So uh, this one is definitely deserving of the number one uh, place it has good pacing it has a great chorus it has a great verse everything about it is standout and i think they definitely went in knowing this was going to be the opener we've kind of talked about the videos and the singles as we've we've gone through this but you know lick it up as the first single followed by all hells breaking loose uh agree disagree and if not what would have been your two picks ken well again yeah i mean lick it up as a as a uh, you know no-brainer of a song to have as a first single, uh, but again, I I think uh, a million to one would have been the 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 second single would have made more sense. Yep, Alex. Um, you know, I did look it up partially with the title and stuff. Um, I actually I hadn't seen the All Hell's Breaking Loose video until later. Um, and so if you guys remember on Kiss Beyond the Makeup, was that VH1 special? Yeah, there's a part where you see one of them kicking like the, the sparks in the dirt and stuff yeah. in the video, yeah. and the background music to that was Exciter. <laughs> so I actually thought there was an Exciter video, and I was oh. bummed out when I found out it was all else like loose and not Exciter. I was like, oh, that, that would have been a great. So I probably would have gone with maybe Exciter uh, as a second single, mm. uh, just for that fast pacedness with it. Yeah, Mark. Yeah, you know it's funny. I was going to say the same thing actually. I think that. The single, uh, to put the second single as uh, All Hell's Breaking Loose maybe might have been a mistake. Uh, I think a million to one would have been the logical one, but I think that Exciter might have even been a great one to pick too, to kind of keep something, you know, more upbeat and in your face, to kind of keep people's belief that Kiss were back, you know. So I think that would have been a good good one to use as a second. Yeah, I kind of think that All Hell's Breaking Loose should have been the first single because it was different enough. It, I think it would have grabbed a little bit more attention. Yeah. You know, it wasn't kind of your your kind of standard stuff that was uh, coming out at the time. So, you know, that followed by a million to one, lick it up, could have just stayed the title track, um, you know, for two singles. And then, of course, the videos, we've talked enough about them, so there's really nothing else to say. They're very dated, they're fun, <laughs> uh, they're entertaining, which is exactly what they should be. And I think Vinnie Vincent secures his place in history on this album simply as as a restrained player. And this is just, you know, kind of an illustration for how good he was under the right circumstances. And I'm sure, yeah, he might disagree, which is fine. He's the artist. But, you know, I do love his solo on Exciter. Um, I don't see enough difference in it than what Rick 
actually put on the final one to really, you know, have any sort of major debate about it. It's just a little bit crisper and more concise, but his is his is perfectly stated for the song as well for what circulates. I'd love that to be out in full crystal clear quality and I'd love to hear some of the outtakes from this uh from this album as well. All right. So there we are. Uh, lick it up. We've gone through the Kiss FAQ panel's ranking of the album. Let me just give you a quick countdown of that as a recap. In 10th place, Give Me More. 9th, Young and Wasted. 8th, Dance All Over Your Face. 7th, and on the 8th day. Shouldn't that have been an 8th? Uh, <laughs> that was a bit of a... Yeah. Uh, 6th, Fits Like a Glove. 5th, All Hell's Breaking Loose. 4th, Lick It Up. 3rd place, Not For The Innocent. And not in number one place, a million to one in second place. And number one, the Kisefic use panel's favorite song, I'll Flick It Up, Exciter. What do you think about this ranking? What are your favorite songs off this album? What do you think about the things that we've said about this album and its songs today? Chime in on the YouTube or Kiss FAQ message board threads or wherever it is that you listen or watch this show. We do appreciate you watching and love to interact with you. So do give us your thoughts on what we've said. Uh, but for now, from Alex, from Ken and Mark, and myself, thank you for watching, and we will see you next time. Come on, guys. I've got to go, like, wave. Bye. <laughs> thank you for spending time listening to the KISS FAQ podcast today. All sales are final. There are no refunds. If you'd like, look us up on Facebook or come over to the KISS FAQ message board and discuss the topic we broadcast today. Don't forget to rate us on iTunes, Spreaker, or wherever you've listened to the show. We hope you'll join us again.